0: I sure do. Who the hell would give these three goons their own show? Welcome to Puck Puck Pass, a belly-up sports podcast committed to keeping you informed on the latest news and trends in hockey. So pick up your teeth, grab a brew, and don't be a hoser. Here are your hosts, whose names sound like something I'd call my dog, Zach Mac, Yake, and KJ.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Puck Puck Pass podcast, a podcast brought to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I am KJ, joined by Zach, Mack, and Jake. How are you guys doing tonight?
2: Not bad. I am uh, currently sitting here in an empty classroom on Ohio University, but this place is haunted, so there's a good chance the mic picks up a ghost. So if you hear it, let me know.
0: <laughs> Sounds like I'm doing a little, little bit better than that.
1: Yeah, but you're still. In, you're, I mean, you're you're in the south, so everything's haunted down there, isn't it? Yeah,
0: that's uh, that's very true. Very true.
1: <laughs> Guys, exciting week in the NHL. A lot to talk about. What did we learn this week?
0: That uh, the Abs,
2: except for that top line, really cannot hang with the rest of the NHL, and it's uh, just going to continue to be proven. It looks like.
0: Yeah, I uh, I'm liking how the Flyers and the Red Wings are playing lately. Bruins have also been playing pretty well lately so uh they've been taking a jump in my power rankings
1: yeah i mean i i unfortunately had to agree with both of you um i learned just how far uh my fandom can be pushed with the blackhawks it's been a very tough going on a month for me now and uh, i feel like we're kind of disrespecting boston a little bit we keep talking about that abs top line but bergeron Martian and poster are just on a totally different level than the rest of the nhl uh But yeah, the Flyers and Red Wings look good. Red Wings, we'll talk about later. They're on a pretty nice win streak. It's good to see out of the Motor City. Uh, Let's just jump right into it. Uh, Speaking of playing pretty well, Tom Wilson came back last night. How do we feel about that? Sentence reduced to 14 games, meaning he got $300,000 reimbursement for salary lost. And he scored a goal in his first game back.
2: Yeah, I think it makes sense to tell you the truth. I don't think Wilson... I thought his suspension was a little high to begin with, especially for it being an off-season incident. Um, I think it's good to have him back. I think he's good for the game. And uh, I, I think it's great to see him score right in that first game because it just shows that the Caps get somebody back and they're not having a great year right now to begin with. So you get Wilson back and he's scoring. Who knows what the Caps are capable of.
0: Yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with Jake on that one. Um, good for him to get that, that, that thing reduced and then – you know double good for him to score a goal in the first game back i think that's huge for the capitals
1: so i i agree that it's good that the uh the suspension was reduced only because as we not to touch on too much that we talked about last week but because Austin Watson got his suspension reduced it only made sense that Tom Wilson got his but if that doesn't happen i think it stays 20 games i i i hope he learns from this because he's a he's a really I don't want to say like really talented player, but he's a good player and he plays on such a great line and judging from the way the first 16 games went of their season, they need him on that top line.
0: Yeah. I'm just, all I'm looking for out of Tom Wilson now is just to, to behave. I mean, I want to see him play some good hockey, but let's let's behave for the rest of the season. So we don't have to, don't have to look back on this and think maybe did we make a wrong decision here?
2: Yeah, I think he doesn't get a second get uh, second chance here with his suspension being reduced. I think he does something else. You're looking at a 40 game for him.
1: That, that's my thinking too because 20 games, yeah, it was probably a bit excessive but it was also, the NHL was probably getting tired of being slapped in the face by this guy. I mean, they gave him chance after chance uh, and then in a preseason game where you don't really need to be out blindsiding guys or going after guys with their head down, I get that's a part of hockey but It doesn't have to be a part of the preseason. And uh, I think he learns. I think actually talking about Brad Marchand, he's gone almost 20 games without a a real incident other than making fun of someone, which I can handle Um, or which, you know, these guys should be able to handle. So if Marchand can kind of clean his act up and not get into trouble, so can Tom Wilson because he hasn't been doing it nearly as long as Marchand has.
2: Yeah, but I just think – I think he's a headhunter, and I honestly think that we're going to see a 40-game suspension for him by the time that he's done.
1: I can – yeah, I could jump on board with that. Hopefully not. Hopefully guys like Oshie, Backstrom, and Ovechkin really sat him down or maybe, you know, are about to sit him down and just be like, dude, look at, look at our season so far. You can't be doing dumb stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, maybe – with Tom Reardon behind the bench now, maybe there's a little bit different attitude towards Tom Wilson and he doesn't get as long a leash as he did before, but to have him back on that top line, have him scoring his first game back. I don't think there's any, uh, anything the caps have to worry about moving forward. If they can just kind of pick up where they left off with Tom Wilson in the lineup, which was winning a Stanley cup. Uh, So he's back. I think that's based. I mean, the cap's, Looked like they were in trouble, but, you know, last night they kind of came out clicking. Uh, There's a a lot to be excited about with them, but their goaltending is still tough with Holtby and Copley. Uh, I mean, what do we think with this Caps? Not to dive too much. This is about Wilson, but if we're going to talk about the Caps, we might as well discuss. They don't look great, and they're low in our power rankings.
2: Yeah, they're sitting with uh, 19 points right now, and they only have a plus one goal differential. And usually the Caps are the team that are scoring like crazy. So that just shows you how much their goalies are really giving up this year. So I think that they either need to look to get another backup goalie or he just needs to play up to his level. Because right now he's not even close to reaching what he was last year.
0: He's, this team is like single-handedly ruining my puck picks um, every day because I'm like picking them, thinking that they're going to turn it around like any game, and then I stop picking them. And then they go and they win a game last night, and it's just – I can't get a grip on, on these guys right now.
1: Yeah, I think it speaks to just Holtby's attitude and that. And with, with Copley, it's one of those things where Grubauer was terrible. I don't know if you guys remember just how bad Philip Grubauer was for them last year. And then all of a sudden, he's starting Game 1 and Game 2 in the playoffs because Holtby was even worse. So it's almost like he's a little streaky. He does have a .900 save percentage, which is god-awful, uh, to go along with his 3.24 goals against. You know he's five and five. It's just not good for him right now. But if the attitude starts to change and the relationship amongst the team, uh, like I said, picks up where it left left off, they're in a good spot. I wouldn't be too worried about the Caps. But if this comes, you know, more towards All Star break and they're still having these same issues, then I think we're looking at a team that probably misses the playoffs.
2: They got to make room for the flyers, so um, they better miss.
1: Well, not for nothing, but your Vesna pick and his boys might be making plenty of room for the flyers that they are struggling. <laughs> um, I guess that pretty much covers Wilson in the Caps. Uh, you know, it's obviously something we'll we'll definitely be talking about the Caps if Yake's right. We'll be talking about a suspension in the weeks to come. Hopefully not, but it's definitely a possibility. He's proven that, so we'll keep an eye on Wilson in the Caps. Uh, moving on. Uh, Obviously, the big news this week was the Hockey Hall of Fame induction and and everyone who got in. But before we get into the actual inductees, and I actually forgot to mention this pre-show, so I'm kind of throwing this at you guys. The NHL scheduled four games on the induction night. Is that weird to you?
2: Yeah, I just think that it completely takes away any chance of anyone watching it. Which, I mean, to tell you the truth, how many people actually sit down and watch the induction ceremony to begin with, like the NFL does their preseason. So they do theirs, and they have a game there in Canton, Ohio, where they do the ceremonies and everything. So they make a big deal out of the Hall of Fame induction, and literally the NHL just kind of let it slide by the radar, and then the next day talked about it on NHL Now. And that was pretty much their big thing, and uh, how they introduced everybody and and how you saw everyone's interviews was either Twitter or the next day on NHL Now.
1: I think it took away from the entire ceremony i did see like you said Jake. i saw most of it on twitter which is basically how i would have watched it but i i was kind of interested in how bettman uh not so much would be received because i don't think there's fans there i think it's mostly like friends family and the media uh but to be able to like poke fun of himself like that uh like bettman did with the uh oh i'm totally drawing a blank
2: yeah he made the joke about it shows that it's not a popularity contest yeah and and i think he nailed it because if there had been fans there he would have been booed at the induction ceremony so he talked about how he gets booed you know when he presents the stanley cup at the draft all these other things and he just said that you know it really shows that, that the induction into the hall of fame is not a popularity contest whether he's the commissioner or not right now and he probably has some pull and with some of those guys that are voting that doesn't really matter. What matters is he—he he was a good sport about it. I think he—he he nailed it on that joke.
1: Yeah, I think—I mean, I think he's done plenty for the game, um, and we don't have anything to compare it to. So I think he is kind of lucky in that sense. Uh, but it—you it, know—he did prove it's not a popularity contest, and I'm—I'm I'm actually glad fans weren't there to boo him. You know, you, you just don't want to take away from it on a night like that. I was hoping Broder would maybe make a joke, uh, poke fun at Batman a little bit, and talk about the the trapezoid and how Batman took away the thing that Broder was best at or something. But you didn't see a lot of that. You just saw a lot of a lot of happiness. Willie getting in is awesome. Uh, long time coming. Uh, it, it was just really really cool. You know, you've got uh, a really broad spectrum of inductees this year. Uh, this year, and I, I want to talk about next year. Uh, unless Zach, did you have any last? comments about this year's inductees other than we're kind of glad it's over. Cause it was all obvious.
0: Yeah. I know. I was just, um, you mentioned that the, there was four games at night and I'm just wondering, you know, if they did that on purpose to try and kind of steer people away from it. That was my thoughts on that.
1: That's actually a good point. You're, you might be right because with Batman getting in and obviously the majority of fans having such a disdain for him, maybe they just kind of tried to slide him in under the rug and have the games be a distraction. That's actually, as soon as you said that, that kind of clicked on in my head that that could have been what they were tr- trying to go for.
2: Yeah, it seems like something they would do. Yeah, but I think I think Willie O'Reilly stole the show anyway, so I don't even think people really noticed, or I don't want to say noticed Batman, but I don't think they really cared that Batman was getting in because it was such an important time for Willie.
1: That's true, and and good for him. Congratulations to all the inductees. Uh, everyone is deser- deserving uh, whether or not it looks like it right now, I think we'll have a lot of revisionist history as far as uh, Batman in the Hall of Fame. But next year, there's going to be a lot of conversation uh, as to who gets in because there's a lot of new eligibility, guys who have been eligible for a while. And there's going to be a lot of discussion. Everyone who gets in will be deserving, but it's going to be kind of that that contest of is there anyone in their first year that's more deserving than you know, people that have been sitting around for a while. Uh So I, I have a list of the 10 most likely uh, Hall of Fame inductees for the 2019 Hockey Hall of Fame class. And I just want to kind of go through them with you guys and get your take and see if we can if we can boil it down to who we think is most likely to get in. We can just do maybe our top. We don't even have to do the whole class, but our top three most likely out of these 10. Uh And we'll just start at the top. <laughs> the guy. Of this list, who's been eligible for the longest? Doug Wilson. If I'm not mistaken, it's his 23rd year of eligibility. That's kind of shocking to me. He he's a Norris Trophy winner. His all-time points per game as a defenseman is eight. He's eighth all-time as far as six. The it's called the Bobby Orr cutoff or something. As far as defensemen goes, 657 games played. Eight, I mean, I thought he. You'd think he'd be a shoe in with the way some defensemen get in, but. I mean, what do we think of what do we think of Doug Wilson? Is he is he a shoe in for next year, or is he just going to have to keep waiting until it's a, a weaker
0: defensive class? Yeah, to, to me, I think it's just Doug Wilson's not that that household name. He doesn't have that flash behind his name. Um, I mean, the stats are there, and and you are right. It's he does rank eighth um, in that that points per game for defensemen. But like you said, there's just so many so many more defensemen coming in that you know just it's, it's they more appeal to people when they think of. Um, who's a Hall of Fame player more than more than Doug Wilson would I think, and I think that's what's hurting him.
2: I think the big thing for Doug Wilson is everyone kind of right now is viewing him as a general manager. So when I think of Doug Wilson, I think of everything he's done with the Sharks, and to me, that's that's still a little recent in my memory. That like he's built a great team, but I don't even think about his playing days when it comes to voting for him.
1: Yeah, it is tough when you've got guys who have been in the front office for, for so long and have built kind of, I mean, outside of winning a cup, the sharks have been a mainstay in the Western conference. So, you know, he's done a lot with, with the team, but his player, I mean, 0.81 points per game for a defenseman, uh, especially in the time he played is, I mean, Hall of Fame worthy in itself. And you, you, I mean, you just think that, I mean, after over two decades that, you know, this guy wouldn't still be waiting but there's more defensemen on this list that even still might be more deserving. So, you know, we'll put a pin in it. It doesn't sound like Doug next year is Doug Wilson's year and it, he probably will have to wait for uh, maybe not a much weaker defensive class, but a weaker defensive class. That's for sure. Uh, next up, Brad Richards, two cups, 932 points in 1126 games. Brad Richards, is he a first ballot hall famer?
2: I don't think he is, and, you know, I, I say that as a, a fan of Brad Richards, but I just don't think he has the first ballot. I, I don't want to say he doesn't have numbers, because obviously the numbers are there, but when I think first ballot Hall of Famer, Brad Richards is not one of those guys that comes to
0: mind. Yeah, for me, it's, uh, I mean, he played with um, Vinny Cavier for so long, and I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on him here shortly, but uh, it's... I just think of I think more of Vinny LeCavier as a first ballot and and I put Brad Richards on the back burner for now.
1: Yeah, I think I mean if you had to pick between the two, uh I'd go Vinnie as well. Brad Richards, you know, definitely a great player, definitely a Hall of Famer, I think, but there's a huge difference between, you know, there's there's just that status with being a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I don't think he ever reached that. Um, but definitely, I mean nine thirty-two and eleven twenty-six It's tough because he didn't have – he played for a long time, but guys with less than a 1,000 points, especially forwards in the Hall of Fame, are in there because they didn't have the longevity. So you you look at Brad Richards, he almost played too long and played too many games to only have 932 points and get into the Hall of Fame early.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think the most Hall of Fame thing he did was he dated Olivia Munn before – what what's his face did green bay?
1: Aaron Rodgers?
2: Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. He uh, he uh, dated Olivia Munn before that. Olivia Munn broke up with him, which I mean is understandable, but I think uh <laughs> I think that makes him look a little bit better. That might be first battle Hall of Fame worthy.
1: So, this might be I might be confusing him with someone else on the on that Lightning Cup team, but I'm only, I'm 99% sure Brad Richards won the Stanley Cup with Tampa came home later that night and his house had burned down we'll talk about a rollercoaster of emotions. And I always, after I heard that story, I always kind of had a soft spot for Brad Richards. Uh, and you know, former Black Hawk cup winner. So it's just, it's, you know, it's cool to see. I mean, it's scary to think how old we're getting that Brad Richards is already a hall of fame on the hall of fame ballot, but it, it might be a few years close. I'm actually going to guess close to a decade with everyone that's going to be coming up. Uh, I think it's a while before he gets in. Uh, moving on to a guy, uh, talk about longevity, Patrick Eliash. Uh, he actually he's got over a thousand points, but a pretty weak case beyond that. Uh, no major awards. A thousand and twenty five points in twelve hundred and forty games. My biggest thing, and this might be the only thing I say about Patrick Elias is that he should never get in before Jeremy Roenick.
2: I don't know. I like Elias. I, I think Eliash is deserving. I agree that Roenick obviously will be in there too, but as far as before him, I don't think that's necessarily needed, especially when you got, I mean, should be anytime you get over a thousand points, it's, it's worthy of mentioning. Anytime you play over a thousand games, it's worth its mentioning. Um. So I th- I think he's got a case for it. Whether or not he gets in this year uh, is going to depend on how strong the class is.
0: Yeah, it's a first year for Eliash, but I I'm a huge Eliash fan too. Um I just think his, his he played such a key part in uh those two Stanley Cups. Uh I believe I think yeah, he won two Stanley Cups with the Devils and uh just his key part in that and I think he'll, he'll have that over Jeremy Ronick uh when it comes to comparing the two. Because it's Elias's first year, so I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to dig a little deeper into the Elias versus running
1: I have to. You guys vamp for a second. I have to check Patrick Elias.
2: I don't think he ever won a cup. I'm not sure if he won a cup either. I mean, he, he was on some good teams, obviously. But I just think Elias, his name stands above some of the other guys he played with.
1: Oh, he did. He did. God, he played for so long. He did. Yeah, he would. My God, he played for so long. He did win the 2000 three Stanley Cup. But he was he was bad in them. But you're, I mean, that could put him on the edge over Roenick. But I mean, we'll touch on Roenick, so I won't get too deep into that. Uh, you guys seem to like Eliash. I think it's a few more years before Brad Richards, for sure. But the the individual awards, similar to a lot of other guys on this list, just aren't there for me as far as Hall of Fame status. Uh, And we already touched on this next guy, Vinny LeCavier. 50-goal season, 949 points in 1,212 games. He he won the Rocket Richard. He has the Cup in 4 This guy's a no-brainer.
2: Yeah, I think it's first ballot for Vinny. And, you know, he didn't have a great career there towards the end of his time in Philadelphia. But I I just think that, you know, everybody has kind of bad years. But Vinny's Vinny's numbers speak for himself. Vinny's going to Vinny. And he's going to be in the
0: Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's such a great player, um, super fun to watch, and uh, obviously was a big part of that successful Tampa team. So um, I think for sure, no no brainer, he's he's in for me.
1: Yeah, no no need to dwell on old Vinny. He's getting in, uh, but let's go back. We just touched on him, Jeremy Roenick. I I love Jeremy Roenick for all the the goofy things he does on NBC Sports Network. He spe- He has the strongest case for fame in the hall of fame uh i mean the guy's got over 500 goals he's this he's almost one of those singular talents of a generation he's not a generational talent but he was just one of those guys he was uber talented over 1200 points and like i said the actual fame aspect of it i just i can't believe this is his seventh year of eligibility and i can't believe it's taken more than five years
2: yeah i don't know why he's not in yet i think this year he gets in for sure um I, I just don't know how people can continue to argue that he doesn't deserve to be in. And, and until someone shows me a case that says he isn't going to get into the Hall of Fame, I'm going to keep thinking every single year that he's going to be in there next year.
0: Yeah, he was such a he was such a presence in, er, er, well, it was Phoenix back then, but the Coyotes. Um, he was just such a such a big name there, and I think, and I know he had his his be- his best years when he was in Chicago. That was a little bit before I was watching him, but. Um. Still, he was just he was just so popular, and 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 he was a great player too. So, and I think his his early years um, are definitely what would get him in. But uh, I just I think just being such that that uh, that that big that big guy on campus, big man on campus, out in Arizona, helped him.
2: Yeah, to me, he is like the face of a decade of hockey. To me. Because, I mean, he, he was there towards the end of some really good players, and then he was he was there at the beginning of some other really good players. But to me, when I mean, I think Jeremy Roenick when I think hockey because he's still around today on a TV and everybody's faces. I don't think we're going to get rid of him anytime soon. I'm going to continue to think of Roenick when I think of hockey.
0: And he's great on TV too, which I think helps his presence and it helps him stay relevant. Is he's not one of those guys that turns from playing the sport to going on TV and just absolutely – just awful presence on TV. He's one of those guys that you can, he's, he's very, he's got that. He's not Keith TV TV. Jones. That's yeah. What, yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: My, my thing with Roenick on TV was always is the standing behind the desk thing is actually doing him an injustice. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch the ESPN coverage of the world cup of hockey, but when they had like, like Brett hole, Just being able to like hang out in chairs like lazy boys and just kind of talk hockey in a circle, that's where Jeremy Roenick belongs. That's where his personality is. Um, and And he just does so much for the game, to improve the game. Yeah, he's a goofball. Yeah, he's kind of dopey with some of his analysis. But he was a great player. He's a great builder for the game. And he brings so much personality in a sport where we probably see the least amount of personality. So Roenick... What so 2019 hockey hall of fame class, Jeremy Ronick is in?
2: Yeah, I would say so. We all in agreement. I'd put him in. While we were talking about Brett Hall, have you ever heard the story about when he was told to go kill or to go serve a penalty? They sent him over to the box and he goes over and he serves he serves the penalty back there. And he, he sits in the box for like two to three seconds longer. He skates back over to the bench with carrying his stick behind him while it's just dragging on the ice. And he goes over there, and, and the coach tries to put him back in. And he told him, no, I serve fucking penalties now. I'm not going in. And he literally sat there the rest of the game and just was like a baby about it. And it's absolutely hysterical. Oh, the
1: good old Hull family.
0: That is hilarious, you. I mean, Hull, Hull always claimed he didn't like hockey. He just did play it because he was good at it. Yeah, he's kind of a – he's he's a wild personality,
1: but – I mean, he did great things. His whether his foot was in the crease or not, he did great things for hockey. Um, next up is kind of a guy that maybe the the average hockey fan definitely wouldn't recognize, but Alex Mogilny. I hope I get that right, Alex Mogilny. He had a seventy six and fifty five goal season. He had one cup, a thousand and thirty two points, nine hundred ninety games, and he is a huge. I can't overstate this. A huge reason that Russians were able to play in the NHL and that Russian players still play in the NHL. As far as Russian defectors, this guy built Russian hockey in the U.S. and North America.
2: He was the president of Continental Hockey League, wasn't he?
1: Yes, if he, if memory serves, yes.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, he's a huge deal. Why foreign players are such a big a big deal in the NHL now?
1: And this guy deserves to be. I mean, this guy deserves his own wing in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He he's done so much for the game internationally that you know his points speak for themselves and in, in what he did on the ice. I mean, a seventy six goal season, no matter what era you played in, is damn impressive. But yeah, th- I mean, this guy's a Hall of Famer in any aspect.
2: Yeah, and I don't think there's any
0: question. Yeah, it's he and he's such the opposite coming off of ronick who is. You know, he's got all this popularity in the hockey community, and it's it's a shame that not enough people know about Alexander McGillivray because I I remember I just remember growing up I I was a fan of this guy and and then later on learning you know that he paved the way for for foreign players to come play in the NHL was um, I just, the guy's just a just a world class well, guy and and
1: especially you know like Zach and I can relate to this as you know growing up in Michigan for a while. The Russian five are such a huge part of Detroit hockey history. That doesn't happen without Alexander McGillney. So it's it's so cool. And those guys appreciate it. You know, as, as much of a jerk as you know Sergei Fedorov could be, they always showed appreciation for what McGilney was able to do for them as far as getting them into the league. And now, you know, they're every Russian that seems to come across there's another there's two more Russians on this list that are potential Hall of Famers. And and this doesn't happen without his commitment to making sure these guys could get over there and play the game, get the acknowledgement that they deserved.
0: Yeah, I mean, ten ten years is ten years is too many. Let's uh, I've had enough. Let's get this guy in the hall.
1: Definitely. Uh, next up, and I kind of feel like a jerk for doing this to him, uh, but next year, Dan Boyle, I just put no. I didn't even write many stats down. I, this this class is too strong defensively for Dan Boyle to get in next year. I agree with that. Definitely a great player, definitely a Hall of Famer. But uh, Zach, unless you have any contentions towards this, I I just think we have there's two more defensemen still on this list, and I don't think Dan Boyle's touches either one of them.
0: Yeah, I got no contentions there. It's his first year, so let's give it some time. So we're we're gonna
1: go back to back defensemen, back to back. Sergei's right here. First up, Sergei Gonchar, top five Norse, top five in the Norse voting four times. He has a cup, eight hundred and eleven points in thirteen hundred games. Sergey Gonchar is a hall of famer but I don't think it's next year. Only because the the Hall of Fame class has never had more than one Russian inductee in the in the same year. And I I don't think he's the best Russian on this list as we just talked about.
2: Yeah, but I think I think eventually obviously with some of the Russians that have been in the league that's going to change that you're going to get a couple of them the year but I don't think Gonchar's the guy that's going to change it.
1: Yeah, especially because he's going on. So let's just compare these two guys. I mean, they're both Sergey. They're both Russian. They're both defensemen. Sergey Zubov is still not in the Hall of Fame. Real quick for him, seven hundred and seventy-one points in a thousand sixty-eight games. That's a .72 points per game total. Sitting at .73 is Nick Lidstrom, and Zubov has two cups to go with it. I I think if we're gonna have two Russians on on the on the ballot. Zuboff and Mogilny is much more likely than Gonchar and Mogilny.
0: I agree with that
2: 100%. Yeah, but I don't see Zuboff getting in this year. I just don't think it happens. And on no matter what uh, Batman said last night, it is a little bit of a popularity contest. And I just don't, I don't think either of the surveys are going to be able to break that barrier to try to get in this year.
1: The, the the problem with Zuboff is he also, you know, in his era, I mean he was top five in the Norris four times because of everyone else that was in the league at the time. You know, like Niedermeyers, Lidstrom, even Steven, you know, like Scott Stevens, like these guys kind of epitomized what people were looking for in defensemen. And Sergey Zuboff was much more quiet, um, and just kind of hung back, did his thing, still scored 770 points uh and that point per game average is still impressive uh I think he's the most des- deserving defenseman to get in next year but i i I have to agree with you unfortunately Jake. Like, i it sucks that you know thinking about it more it sucks that he's not even in yet, but the- you know the more defensemen we get in these lineups or ballots, the less likely zuboff gets in um but hopefully one of um one of, if not both of them, get in next year. Or one of, if not all three of them, are up on the ballot. But we know Mogilny should get in. Uh, Zuboff, not far behind. Then Gonchar, probably. And last but not least, we could probably just all yell yes to this. Daniel Alfredson. 444 goals, 1,157 points in 1,200 games. The Calder Trophy winner his rookie season, and consistency is the number one word you think of when you think of Daniel Alfredson, Alfie.
0: Yeah, he, I mean, just remarkably consistent throughout his whole career, and um, I I got to watch him for a little bit on the Red Wings, that was nice, I mean, it wasn't in his prime years, but uh, um, I think he's surefire, I think he should have been in last year, it's a shame that he wasn't, but uh, I think this year for sure he gets in.
2: Well, and it just shows you the difference in the game nowadays and what it used to be because the guy played 18 years and 17 of them were with Ottawa. And he played that last year with the Red Wings. But to have 17 years with the same team is just unbelievable.
1: <laughs> it's not an Ottawa Senators podcast. Remember that. But you're right. I mean, there's it's rare. They, uh, I mean, in today's NHL, there are a lot of guys who have been super. You basically have to be a superstar on your team to play that long. Uh, with one team, you know, looking at Thornton, Ovi and Sid have been with their teams forever. Even guys like Jamie Benn aren't leaving Dallas anytime soon. So Alfredson is in a class of his own uh, statistically and just the way he played the game the presence. He he wasn't a huge guy, but was one of those huge presents on the ice. Uh, and he was always fun to watch. You did get to see him in Detroit for a little while, uh, which was good because in Ottawa, you, you just never saw an Ottawa game in the U.S., so it's good to see him get in, which I think will be next year. I think he's on next year's class. Uh, that wraps up the top 10, uh, top 10, most likely to get in next year. Uh, is there anybody that was off that list that you guys can think of? That'll be up next year.
0: Uh, I got a little bit of a dark horse, um, personal favorite of mine. I'd like to see him get some recognition Is Curtis Joseph. Um, I know he never won a Stanley cup and that's going to hurt him, but uh I mean, he's fifth all time in wins and he's got more wins than guys like Terry Sachuk and Grant Fear and Dominic Hasek, and I understand they all want a cup, but um sixth in games played, so his longevity is there. He's just a I I I just always loved watching Kujo and uh I think, you know, you never know. Are voters listening to us? Maybe. So throw throw some Cujo on there. Now that Broder's
1: in, Cujo's the best goalie not in the hall of I can agree. I can agree with you on that one, Zach. What about you, Yake? I'm sure it's a flyer, but anyone that left off the list that you think should be in the Hall of Fame?
2: I want to know what you guys think about Keith Kachuk getting in there eventually. Do you think it'll ever happen?
1: Yeah, I think the name Kachuk gets him in the Hall of Fame. It's one of those – because he's not really a focal point as far as like a media pundit or anything, but his name still carries weight, Um, especially for for people my age. If you watched hockey at all when you were a kid – Uh, And I'm 24 now. But if you watch hockey, you know, when you were a kid, Kachuk and Domi are two names that just kind of stick with you that weren't the end-all, be-all superstars. But I think Kachuk gets in. I I don't have the stats in front of me. Um, Uh, He's
2: got 538 goals, 2,219 penalty minutes. And, I mean, that was when the NHL's, like, power forwards were just the prototypical type of player. And I think that – I think it's his lack of, you know – he has no awards, no Stanley Cups, and this is his fifth year on the ballot. So I just I don't know if Keith Kachuk ever gets in. I think there's a good chance his kids do, but I don't know if he
0: does. Yeah, I was I was gonna say almost the same thing KJ said. Took the words out of my mouth. That it's just it's it's the the name Kachuk. I mean, kind of what you said too, Yake, It's in that area of when you know you played that grit and grind t- type of hockey, and and one of those household names was Kachuk. Um, it's. I like, same as KJ. I don't got stats in front of me, but uh, you know, obviously, his, his lack of trophies in his trophy case are gonna hurt him. But but uh, I just think I, w- I would look into putting Keith Kachuk on on a ballot.
1: I think there's also a like a quota for Americans to get into the Hall of Fame, and I because there's so many like Canadians, Swedes, and Russians that are kind of in that same category of all right. We've got to make sure we're covering our bases, and Kachuk. US born player, and he's he's still considered to be in bias aside, the greatest American is still playing. But Keith Kachuk has to be one of the greatest Americans that ever played. Anybody who has five hundred plus goals, no matter if they played for 10 seasons, 20 seasons, or more, 500 goals is five hundred goals. You're an elite scorer in the NHL.
2: Yeah, and I, I think you gotta look at it. What Joe Thornton's been playing for how many years, and he just now got his four hundredth goal. So, I mean, the fact that he has 500-plus is just absolutely amazing, especially for a power forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's uh, especially, yeah, power forward. I mean, Thornton, you could make the argument he's a he's a he's more of a playmaker than anything. I mean, that's what the NHL games classify him as, is a playmaker. I think he's too big for that. But, uh, yeah, congratulations, by the way. Yeah, yeah, thank you for uh, tossing it in there. Congratulations, Joe Thornton, on 400 goals last night as we record this. Uh, very exciting for Jumbo, missing the beard, but always fun watching him play, uh, especially growing up a Red Wings fan. That, he was a killer.
2: Yeah, and, and he considers himself a, uh, a playmaker also. He was in film one time, and he had a tip-in that they were able to just literally put in the back of the net. And he got yelled at by the coach, and he looked at the coach and said, yeah, I'm more of a passer.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, from all the stories you hear about that guy in the locker room too, he's definitely someone uh, – that that team's glad they've they've kept around for all these years. I don't know when it's coming to an end for Thornton, but you can kind of sense it's coming soon. Um, but definitely a playmaker more than anything else. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of time, obviously, before the Hall of Fame uh, class is announced, ballots released, everything like that. Uh, you never know where voting's going to go, especially with something like the Hockey Hall of Fame. Because for all intents and purposes, it's the Hockey Hall of Very Good. I mean, it's a little watered down, so you never know who's going to get in. But, Yake, as far as your question is concerned, I think Chuck gets in. uh, And I think our list covers probably everybody that will be uh, on the ballot next year. Hopefully, at least, or else we'll look like it is. So that is it for the Hall of Fame. Let's keep it current. Uh, Let's keep it streaky. And let's keep it in Detroit for Zach Mack's sake. The Detroit Red Wings are on a pretty nice four-game win streak. The Florida Panthers are on a five-game win streak, and I'm totally drawing a blank. Buffalo. Buffalo. Buffalo, God. Yeah, I was thinking because it was all cellar dwellers from last year.
2: Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo.
1: These teams are kind of the least likely to be on the longest winning streaks in the NHL. What, is this luck? Is this they're clicking, or is this scheduling?
2: I think Florida, it's, it's kind of luck, because they're beating some good teams. And I don't want to say the goals that you're scoring is lucky, but right now they, they're just just—they're getting every bounce of the puck I think they need to that are able to help them win this game. And I do not think Florida is a good team at all. I think red the Red Wings have some talent, so for them, to me, it's not really a surprise, but the team that surprises me is Florida.
0: Yeah, I've seen I've seen the keep Detroit higher on his power rankings than KJ and I have. But uh, I think a little bit of um, Detroit's I love the way they're playing or not uh, that I couldn't get enough of that Coyotes game last night. But uh, I think like you mentioned scheduling, I think a little bit. I mean, there wasn't a lot of tough competition. They won that game um, at home against Vancouver. And they also uh, as part of their what they've got seven of the last eight they've won and they won in Columbus it was probably their best win. So a little bit of a scheduling, but it's, it's still nice as a fan to see, see us win those games when, when those are the games that you want to win.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think with the Red Wings too, they, they're getting like, they won last second. uh, You know, they win in the closing seconds of overtime they win in the shootout, which you got to win games somehow. And, you know, I'm not going to discredit them for winning those games, but, I think it does show that the shootout lets bad teams win a lot. The maybe the Red Wings aren't a bad team. Maybe they rattle off twelve in a row. But I think it speaks to I mean, I'm a big get rid of the shootout guy, and I, I thought three on three would help more with that. But I think Florida I have to disagree. I think Florida's the best team of those three. I, I think once Barkov click starts to get going, Keith Yandel's playing out of his mind. You've still got Ekblad. Uh you know, goaltending's suspect uh, more times than not. But I think there's enough there, especially with Huberto. Hoffman looks decent, you know, and adjusting, especially with the issues he had in the offseason. I, I think Florida's the least fluky of these three win streaks, but they're all fluky in their own right.
2: See, I think Buffalo would be my least fluky, if we're going to use the word fluky here. But I think Buffalo is the team that... All around, they look like someone that can be hanging with the other teams. And to me, they're the least surprising that they're on a win streak. And whether or not they keep up the win streak, I think Buffalo is going to be the team that hangs around. It's just kind of like that gnat that you can't get out of your face. And I think Buffalo is going to not maybe make the playoffs, but they're going to be closer than I think everyone thought at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, to me, I mean, Buffalo's the three game win streak is probably the the toughest Games of any of these three that are on win streaks, so I think their their wins are a little bit more impressive, and um, pretty much like going with Jake said, I, th- I think to me, I would I I would expect to see Buffalo near, near the top of this division come season ends.
1: They're they're definitely a good team, and Jack Eichel is kind of coming to his own. As I was very much anti Eichel uh, when he came into the league, especially his second year with the emergence of Matthews and a because of the four. And we might have talked about this before, but of the four, I just thought Eichel was the bottom of the number one and number two draft picks of those two classes. And then he gets that huge contract, which I thought would handcuff the team. But you know, they signed Skinner, Reinhardt looks pretty good. There's a lot written. They've got Rasmus Ristelainen and Anne Darlene. There's definitely a lot there, but there's also a bit of more experience that comes with Florida. And I think if it comes down to the end of the season, and maybe it's not these three teams in particular, but if Buffalo and Florida are in the fight for that final playoff spot, I give the edge to Florida because they've done it before. We've seen them do it battle, at least at the end of the season, twice the last two years. So I think overall, if Florida's got the least amount of points, but they I, they arguably had the worst start, too, of these three teams. Uh but, you know, their their goal differentials getting better. They have the best goal differential of the three. Uh, and, th- I mean, Detroit was giving up goal after goal after goal le- in the beginning of the season. I mean, they won 6-1, and they're still at negative eight. So, and not to say Detroit's the worst of the three, but I I give the edge to Florida to make the playoffs of these three.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing I'm worried about as a, as a Red Wings fan is I don't, if they're going to streak, I need them to streak long. And I need them to streak more than once. Because I, I, the last thing I want to see is this young team to be on the bubble and then miss the playoffs and be stuck in the middle of the drafts. That's my biggest worry.
2: And Not to be the uh, bearer of bad news, but I'm pretty sure Philly last year went on a five-game streak and then lost like 12 in a row or something like that. So uh, you guys have that to look forward to.
1: I think it was, was it only five? I feel like they won eight or nine in a row then lost 12 or something wild like that.
2: Well, I don't remember the wins. I just remember all the losses.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, they're not the only teams that are going to streak. I'm dealing with a bit of a streak of my own. Uh, kind of getting super depressed, as I've talked about before. And if you follow us on Twitter, if you don't, you should. Uh, but I'm kind of reaching my limit. And tonight's game against division rival St. Louis, Chicago needs to do something. Or you might see me in a Flyers jersey by the end of the year.
2: All I know is with that streak, I'm thinking about charging people to predict their future because I'm pretty sure that was all me. Yeah
0: that that, that article that article on the downfall man it was right before the losing streak.
2: It was spot on. It was it was their last game that uh, they even did anything. And if the, if you don't count that overtime loss,
1: I was going to say they just got a point against Carolina, so it's not all bad. By- oh. Can can we pause for two seconds? Because I brought this up in our little group chat the other day. Diving in front of the goaltender in three on three overtime—is there anything dumber in hockey? What do you like? You're not stopping anything when a guy has the ability to skate anywhere on the ice with only three people on the ice.
0: Yeah. Not yeah. Not to mention you're taking away the probably the part of the net that the goalie can cover the best. You know.
1: Yeah, and then ah, goes five hole.
0: Whatever. The
1: the Blackhawks are what they are. Uh, so those are the, those are the best win streaks right now. Uh, who knows who's about to mount what? Uh, but definitely something to look forward to. maybe by the next time we do this podcast, Detroit's on a six game losing streak, and I gain some credibility and self- respect. Um, so that's it for streaks. Let's move on to uh, the final topic we head down, which is kind of the parody in the league right now. The top 10 as far as points in the league, five Eastern teams, five western teams. When was the last time you guys saw this kind of like all even out And this? I mean, it's early in the season, but we're almost 20 games in and we're we're dead even in the top 10.
2: Not only that, the teams that are out of the top 10 are I mean, unless you count the bottom 10 teams, all the top 20 really are what? Like three games within each other, something like that, except for like the top three. So you have a league this year that is interesting and we're a whole month into the season And almost all the teams still have a chance to be pushing top 10. And normally you get a team that, you know, like Chicago that goes on a big loose streak and kind of ruins their chances of being anywhere near the top. Yeah. I was going to say this year, it looks (laughs) like they actually have a chance to uh, anybody's league. And and I think that's different than what we're used to.
1: I, I think we're so quick to say the division's up for grabs or something like that. Uh, As the season goes on, but I I think if we're, if we're talking about it being cliche, it's definitely not this year because you, I mean, you mentioned the top three teams and, and I do think maybe even down to the top five are starting to separate themselves, but down to maybe the, the 12, 13, 14 spot, everyone is right there and they're all playing well. They have a bad game mixed in there, but I can't really think of a team that's not in the bottom 10 of our power rankings, like you mentioned, that doesn't have a shot at the playoffs.
0: Yeah. I mean, the the cup really is up for grabs. I would agree with you on that. And I, it's, you, you just look at, uh, I mean, aside from like those two, you got Nashville at the top and um, Tampa Bay has been pre- playing pretty strong. But other than that, you can, you can kind of find a weakness in everyone else's game. And, and you, you see these, these games here and there that teams are taking advantage of it and there's you know you got tampa losing teams in the bottom half of our power rankings and same same with some of the other teams so it's uh, i I think you're spot on there saying that the, the cup probably is up for grabs at this point
1: are we are we uh staying strong with our uh cup predictions from episode one if you haven't heard uh i went with toronto yake was winnipeg are you guys sticking with those
2: i am I, I think Winnipeg has a good chance to do it.
1: I secretly kind of agree with you, and wish I had picked Winnipeg instead of Toronto. But we'll leave that. I mean, the the scary thing is 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 we talk about how even those top three teams are. Toronto's still right there, and still without Matthews and Mueller. So, uh, as much as we want to talk about how much this league is up for grabs, a full power Toronto team looks like world beaters. So we're basically playing the waiting game to see if this is a team that's going to get healthy. In and, and, and ice a team that is no doubt the cup favorite or if Matthews comes back and all these teams kind of keep pace with them
0: yeah all right so let's do this we we did our we picked our cups our cup winners before the season or uh before we started this um episode one so episode four here tw- roughly 20 games in um just short of that let's pick our president's trophy winner
1: oh I like it Zach you can go ahead and start with that
0: well, shit. Um, okay, uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Nashville. I'm gonna go with my cup winner,
1: so they can raise another banner for uh, President's Trophy. I know everyone does it. I just like to make fun of them. <laughs> uh, Jake, who are you picking for the President's Trophy? Oh,
2: man, it was gonna be Nashville. Um, I think I gotta stick with Win- like I'm gonna go full on Winnipeg. Winnipeg's gonna be my team this year. It's gonna be the best team in the NHL.
1: I might actually get booed off stage for this. (laughs) I think Minnesota is going to win the president's trophy. Bruce Boudreaux was a hundred points in every full season. He's coached. Can't forget that. They're, they're way. I mean, they're 20, they're three points behind Nashville. We all picked a central division team. I think, I think they have one Oh nine and they win the president's trophy. I think they have enough mismatched pieces to make something of themselves, get the one seed and lose in the first round.
0: I'll give them a hundred points. How about that? I'll give you that.
2: Yeah, I was going to say mismatch peaches, their pieces only work so well, and they definitely don't work in the uh, playoffs. So I think whether they're President Cup winners or not, they're first rounded now.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that wouldn't shock me, but I, I just think I they've had a resurgence 11 5 and 2, 24 points. They've got a decent goal differential and Bruce Boudreaux. And it's silly. It's dumb. The guy has no neck. I get it. But when 100 points is that consistent for you? And, like I said, they've kind of found their their groove a little bit here. That's the toughest division. And all you have to do is win a few of those division games. If you're plus one in the division, you might be the President's Trophy winner
2: coming out of the Central. I mean, that's how good that division is.
1: I mean, a neck might be worse than 100 points because all this guy does is... He coaches a hundred point teams. He gets to the first or second round, eventually gets to a game seven, and loses. His game seven record is almost worse, is almost as bad as his regular season coaching record is good. I've never seen it. I've never seen a coach just tighten up his anus like he does yeah, in
0: game seven. No, okay, so so what I've learned is that a neck is worth a hundred points.
1: So well, there's our Presidents Trophy winner, the Central Division. It seems we kind of, we probably just gonna come out with. The best team, the re- best regular season team has come out of the central. Now that we say that, you know, some idiot team like San Jose is going to win. Oh, let's not get crazy. Maybe Tampa. Um, but outside of the central division, it seems like the best regular season team is coming from there. We're going to keep our Stanley Cup picks. I think I think we we covered just about anything. Where are you guys at with this week? Is there any, anything we didn't touch on?
2: Yeah, my last shout out is going to Carl Haglund. And the reason I'm giving him the shout out is he went from being in two metropolitan division teams. And I always respected his style of play, but I hated him for the teams that he was on. So now that he is out in LA, I am officially going to say that I'm a Carl Haglin fan. I
1: mean, you, you, you almost are a Carl Haglin fan by, by default because I can't imagine going from Pittsburgh to LA right now. I mean, Pittsburgh's not great either, But he's coming off two cup-winning teams, and now he's going to
0: the worst team in the league by far.
2: He wins, if you ask me.
0: Carl Hagan went to the University of Michigan, so... Oh, big,
1: big L. Big L. Um, Yeah, I mean, real quick, if we want to talk about it, that trade does nothing for me. Jim Rutherford was talking about, like, they were about to trade for a huge name, a huge piece, and... Tanner Pearson's not a bad player, a 20-goal scorer, 25-goal scorer in, on a team like Pittsburgh, uh, and they got younger. That's that's about all it did for Pittsburgh. I don't, I don't see this trade affecting them too much.
0: Yeah, two teams that needed a spark, and I think that's really probably the best that they can hope for out of this trade is just a spark.
1: Jack Campbell out four to five weeks, by the way. Uh, for anyone who didn't see our tweet, the Kings are now down to their third and fourth string goaltenders. We'll see if they can even win a game the rest of November. Uh, Zach, any last words? Oh, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just asking, like for this episode, do you have any last words?
0: I got no last words, man. As long as the wings keep winning, I got I got nothing, nothing to say. Yeah, you
1: got a lot to say on Twitter, that's for sure. Speaking of which, at Belly Up NHL on Twitter at Belly Up KJ, all the good stuff, puck picks every day. We've got a streak going. Uh, he's gonna try to get to two tonight. By the way, we, I don't think we've mentioned it. I'll just throw it in there right now. Any game that goes to overtime, hashtag belly up OT, predict the game winning goal scorer, and you you add three to your streak. So you if you don't have a puck pick streak, you start at three. If you're at four, Zach's buying you a shirt. So it's really a win-win situation. Uh, we got a ton of straight, great stuff going on on Twitter. Power rankings come out today as we record this. Uh, so look forward to that,
0: guys. Always great talking to you. This episode of Puck Puck Pass was brought to you by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Follow your host on Twitter, Belly Up Yake, Belly Up underscore KJ, and Belly Up Zach Mack.